Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Josh Bloomer. Josh is currently the hitting coach for the softball team at Duke University. He formerly was a high school softball coach, and in his last year, his team went undefeated, number one in the nation. But then, bam, very next year, he was coaching at Duke University. So uh, pretty pretty good uh, pretty good trajectory right there as a, as a coach, just going from high school to the ACC. And in this episode, he talks a little about his transition from high school to coaching in college and what that was like, what it was like to get the players to buy in almost immediately and what he did to to help with that. We'll talk a little bit about blast motion. It's a you know a device that he uses at Duke and has been using for several years now and, and how he utilizes that, what metrics he likes to use with his players. Um, the game is so fast in the at the softball level and just because of how close the the bases are and how much closer the pitcher is to the batter so I, I one of the things I wanted to ask him about was you know does that change your philosophy on any stances or just setups in the swing because of that time constraint I thought he did a really good job answering answering some of those questions so good stuff um, if you love softball or if you just love hitting in general just like me I just love hitting and talking hitting um, this is going to be a good episode to listen to so please make sure to go subscribe rate and leave a review on iTunes I really appreciate that you know I really try to make sure I, I don't just plug the episode left and right with with sponsors and you know I I just enjoy seeing you know more and more people enjoy the content that really satisfies me more than anything else so please make sure to go you know do, do that subscribe rate leave a review on iTunes that helps more people um, find out about the show and then so they can listen to it too and and hear all the awesome guests we've been able to have on so ladies and gentlemen here is Josh Bloomer All right, we're now recording with Josh Bloomer, who's the hitting coach at Duke University. Josh, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Patrick. So, I mean, you've been in, you know, in the softball world for a long time. You've coached in high school, you've coached summer baseball, now at Duke. Why softball? I'm always curious, like, why softball? Why not baseball? Um, so, I, I guess it just, I have a younger sister. Um, I went away to college and, uh, in Kentucky is where I'm from. And so when I got there, my dad called me at the end of my freshman year and said, Hey, will you help me coach my coach, your sister's uh, softball team and fast pitch had just entered um, the state of Kentucky and it was still slow pitch and fast pitch. And so I went out and I said, sure, I need something to do. And, um, you know, I got around the game and it didn't take long um, to just to get sort of brought in and hooked into the speed, um, the pace, um, it's really, really fast. Um, it, it's it makes you, it forces you to think on on the fly. You know, you don't. It's and all of that in 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 contrast to baseball um, was just something that I found more appealing. Um, I have a hard time now watching baseball games. Um, I love it. I love the World Series. I love the postseason. Um, I'll check out some random games here and there on Sunday night. Um, but for me, like watching a high school softball game that's good versus watching a good high school baseball game, like I, I'll always choose a softball game just for the speed, the, the pace. Um, you know, and so it hooked me in. There's just a different type of strategy. Um, 
And I like to I always say, like, I was the kid when I played baseball, we would get into the loser's bracket when I was like 12 and under, and they would do double elimination games. They do double elimination tournaments. And so it never bothered me because I looked at it as like, I'm literally going to be playing baseball all day now because I'm just going to have to fight through that loser's bracket and just play. Yeah. And so that was awesome to me. Um, softball kind of fit that early on because I was playing and coaching in two games while everyone else was still in the, they were in the sixth inning of their baseball game. Um, and I was still watching them step off, throw over and, you know, all that other stuff. And so um, I loved playing baseball. Um, I was a catcher. So I was involved in every single play, uh, which I think is different. Like in, in our game, you, the pitchers can dominate, but it's so fast that you don't have those long droughts where you're just not able to flip, flip it to the, you know, to going in and focusing on hitting and, and analyzing what you're trying to do uh, as an offensive player. So, you know, it got me hooked in and then I just fell in love with it. I was just trying to find anything I could to learn about the game, the rules, um, the strategy. And so, uh, and I was 18 years old and I'm 43 now. So it uh, doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it definitely <laughs> has. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I don't think people realize how fast the game is until you actually go watch a game live. Cause I, I didn't realize how fast it is until I went to go watch a couple of the players I work with um, play live. And you realize just the, how close the bases are. I mean, you really, you literally can't make an error. If you're in the infield, no. they're safe automatically. There's no yeah. room for air at all. So, yeah, for those listening, because I've heard that before. I've heard, like, you know, I, I like it because it's fast paced and everything. You got to go watch the game to really understand that, I think. Yeah. And, you know, there are some different rules. Um, there are some, you know, with, with softball and baseball that just make it, you're always, you're always looking for things, you know, uh, the circle, you know, a pitcher just, stepping out of the circle and everything becomes live and people are going to try to take a base and all of those little things that you do with our game that's unique to our game. Um, you know, we're taking like a little league baseball field and we're playing and you're talking about the best athletes, you know, in the world, you know, the Olympic team, they're going to be playing on the same field that a 14 year old kid is going to play on. And I think that's the other advantage of softball as opposed to baseball. You know, when you're little in baseball, you're playing on those small, you're playing on fields that are about as big as ours. And then ultimately you're going to be playing on these 330s, 400. When you're 14 years old, you're playing on the same field you would play on when you're playing in the Olympics um, in our sport. And so um, when you think about it that way, it's kind of crazy. I, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe making our field a little bit bigger in terms of the outfield fences. But, you know, the most elite athletes are flying down the baselines in, you know, 2.6, 2.7, ball off the bat. And, you know, our kids, you know, we're hitting exit velos in the mid seventies, eighties. And so like, that's fast. That's, that's hard. You know, it's a bigger ball. It hurts. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think uh, it's, it's easy. It's different than baseball, but what our players do is pretty remarkable. I think it's just as uh, challenging as, you know, hitting a, you know, a 12 to six or that's dropping off at the end. I, I, I mean, I think it's, it's just different. Um, our balls break vertically and horizontally, and the best are doing them both of those at the same time. And it's tough, man. <laughs> and pitchers are throwing hard too. I mean, yeah. it's how what like for example on your team who threw like what's the fastest? Uh, well, Shel- it's like yesterday, Shelby uh, hit seventy one uh, yesterday. So all of ours are they're plus sixty five. Um, 
you know, and from it's what, 42 feet away, 43, but you know, they're striding out their tall kids and they're probably throwing from 37. They're releasing from 37 and, you know, all of ours are somewhere between 65 to 70 uh, consistently. And so um, it's tough, man. It's tough and it's challenging. Um, and so it's, it makes what, what our players do at this level pretty impressive. So do, from a hitting standpoint, because of the how close they are when they're releasing the ball, do you coach your hitters differently than maybe someone who in baseball would because there has to be less movement since you just – that time constraint? So I, I think that there is definitely a time constraint. And so for me, it's very much uh, an individual basis on how I'm going to approach it player to player. So like we do – we try to figure out how our players move naturally. I try to look for what their their style individually is. Some a lot of kids just have natural tendencies and how they like to move. So my job isn't to form make them conform to what I think is the best. It's just to kind of figure out how to incorporate what they do into making it their best swing. So I, we kind of live on three principles. I took it from, I mean, I think Doug Lott is like a genius. I, I think what he does is just really amazing stuff. It's very simplistic in theory, but it's so intricate and in-depth in practice. And so we use his three core principles, which are uh, vision, timing, and balance. And so everything we do here is based on figuring out how to move through space and balance, uh, being able to see the ball, um, be in position to see the ball at a right at the correct time. Um, and ultimately, if you can do those then trying to get your timing. And so we talk about being loaded on time and then landing on time. And I think a, a lot of times people don't think about being able to see the ball at the right time. And so I'm sure it's different in terms of when that might happen in the pitcher hitter dynamic between baseball and softball. But I think it's the same core principle. Like I need to be in a position to see this ball moving forward at me by this time. And for us, we talk about it being when the pitcher's somewhere around 12 o'clock. So when the pitcher's on 12 o'clock into her backswing, I want my hitters in a position where they can visually see the ball in them. They're not really trying to gather into their load after that time. Um, so that they're now in a position, they can watch the ball moving forward and then they can react to that and their move forward. And it just sort of slows them down. Um, I think the biggest thing, and you watch major league baseball hitters and you watch the, the best at our game, they move, it looks effortlessly. And when they're moving, they're moving in great rhythm, <clears throat> great pace, but it's very individualized to them. And some people can move a little bit faster. Some people have a bigger move to load. And some people are <clears throat> more simplistic. Um, and we have all of those. We have kids who like to do a high leg kick. We have kids who don't even pick their foot up. Um, we have kids who are open. And the thing to me is I've just got to make sure that they've got the ability to adjust to the pitcher that day um, and get themselves in that good balance position to fire when they need to be. And so um, that to me is the biggest part of what we do. Um, you know, when does a baseball guy tell their guy to try to move and land? You know, that probably varies from what uh, from what we do. But, you know, if our kids are moving forward before the ball is released, then they're going to have issues. Yeah, um, they're, they're guessing and hoping. Um, you know, we talk about it. When the ball comes out of the hand anywhere, it's going to tell you two things, where it's going and how fast it's getting there. 
So I need to know that piece of information before I'm going to go try to match that speed and get my barrel to where it's going. And so um, it's always like right now we're prepping for the season. So we're not really changing a bunch. Everything right now is about moving in pace and rhythm and balance and slowing them down, which is really hard. Like what's what I have found is the hardest thing to do is to get kids to truly slow down and understand how much time they have. Um, you know, our best pitchers, they're getting it out of release to, to the glove and like, you know, 0.4. That's the, that's the amount, amount of time they have. And that, that is quick. Don't get me wrong. But if you think about, you know, you take our blast numbers, time to contacts 0.16, 0.15, 0 0.17. So if you're starting your swing right when they release, you're always early. Yeah. So you don't have forever, but you've got this little bit of window if we can train their eyes to sort of pick up on tendencies and start reacting to that. So you mentioned blast, uh, clearly you guys use blast. I mean, how do you implement it? So it's a, it's pretty systematic and the players understand what all the means and in a simple manner. Yeah. So, so we use blast. Um, we have hit tracks now. Um, I love that. Um, we're pretty tech savvy. Pitchers are using Rapsodo. Um, we used to use some 4D motion sensors. Um, you know, we don't use those this year. There's been some some things happen where we we lost our access to that. But for me, <clears throat> it goes back to being very individualized. Some of my players, I give them a preseason questionnaire and I just ask them, how do you want me to use Blast with you? Uh, you want to be right there, right beside me, looking through all the numbers and know it. Um, you just trust me. Coach, tell me, you look at it. Tell me what you see. If there's something I'm looking for, tell me, but like, I don't care. And some of them I'd like to know, but I don't want to get overwhelmed with it. And so I think that's important um, for us. We've got really smart kids here um, and they can tend to overthink it. If you start getting them looking at particular metrics, they start metric hunting as opposed to barrel hunting. And at the end, I was like, you got to, you got to hunt barrels. And so, um, you know, I kind of vary that. I don't use all of the numbers um, for us. I'm always looking at a ratio of bat speed, exit velocity with the hit tracks. I want to know what those numbers are. Rotational acceleration, um, you know, I'm looking for that. Um, you know, I look for a good one. Um, I look for the ratio of the peak hand speed to the bat speed. It's one of the things that I look for a lot to see if our kids are pushing or turning the barrel. Um, we go with 0.3, it's what we're looking for, that ratio. Um, and so, you know, I. I think all of the metrics have value. Um, I think different programs probably value some metrics more than others. Um, you know, I think on-plane percentage is, is great. However, if my kid is hitting barrels consistently and they're on-plane is low and it's in the red, it just tells me they're getting on the right plane when they need to be on the right plane. And I'm not going to sacrifice that for having a better on-plane percentage. Um, you know, I think connection and impact is really important, but I find early connection to be less important. But a lot of my kids are vertical, so their early connection numbers are always high. And so it varies. Like I can tell you when that number means that they're not getting the barrel into the corner real well um, for each individual kid. So um, we send them that feedback. They, I use it a lot. Um, on this back end and it will tell them. So like they might come in on a Monday and I might say, these are the three metrics you're looking at today. 
And then the next person comes in, they might be looking at three different ones or just one. And so we try to use it to guide the individual kid on what they need along that way. Um, you know, last year in the spring, we actually used it pregame. Um, I wanted to make sure that their swings in the before they were out there, like they were actually taking swings in the cages that weren't just let me feel good. I wanted them getting after it before we got out there to compete. And so that kind of gave them some feedback immediately. Like I'm not really getting after it. If my rotational acceleration is nine right now, but I'm averaging a 13, I'm not really doing what I need to be doing. So mm-hmm. held them a little bit of a, a little bit of an accountability piece there. No, I, I really like that. And I think I like how even you mentioned it really comes down to how they're doing in the game, right? You're not going to obsess over the metrics if they're barreling up a whole bunch of, of balls at one time. So um, yeah, it's great stuff. And I know you've been using blast for a while, even dating back to when you were coaching in high school. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about like what it was like to be a high school coach? And I mean, you, you created really an offensive juggernaut. I mean, at, at the, at, you know, coaching high school baseball and even travel baseball or not baseball, sorry, softball. How did you go about doing that consistently year after year at the high school level? Cause that's different than college. Yeah. So I think in the end, I've been very, very fortunate to coach really good players. Like I, there's no like secret sauce that some magic dust that I'm throwing on, on kids. I've been very fortunate of, of all the things that I may have done really well. I picked places where I knew I was going to have some talent. And so I did that really well, I think. And I had the support of administration that really valued the sport of softball, which, you know, unfortunately I'll be, it's not valued everywhere equally. Uh, and so I, I, I'm a big believer in, um, advocating for, for women's sports. And, and I had that there, but I think I had great athletes. I think success tends to initially provide you a little bit of a margin of time for people to buy in if you've had success. Um, but then they need to see the results. And I think when you can have conversations with people and explain to them why you're doing what you're doing, like, this is what I'm trying to do, and this is why we're doing it. And you want to give and take, and you say things like, this is what I ask even today. Best question I think any coach can ask a, a hitter is or a fielder is, what did you feel? Like, what did you feel there? How, how did that feel? And initially, when they've never been asked those questions, they think you're, it's a right or wrong question. They're trying to provide you the answer. And so I sometimes have to say, look, what did you feel? There is no right answer. There's just your answer. And when you tell, I'm just really trying to get that. It kind of gets those kids to understand like, okay, like this person's on my side. They really are truly like, they want my input. And so it's kind of like um, education. You know, the teachers who stand in the front of the class and they lecture for an hour, they don't really want any questions. They just want to give you the information. And then it's your job to decipher it, interpret it, and understand it before the next class without them helping you along the way. I think that's how some people can view hitting. Like, I'm the hitting guy. Here's what you do. Why do I do it this way? Well, because this is the way you do it. And so these kids are just doing what you're doing, but if they leave your environment, they have no idea why they're doing what they're doing. And so what I've always tried to do is explain why we're doing what we're doing. I try to make it based on how the body is naturally supposed to move. Um, I try to learn more and more about how the body, how it works. And so when you give it to them that way, 
it just makes sense. And so you can have different approaches, but when your players buy into it, you're going to see better results. I, I could have an, I, I could have a mentality of we're going to, we're going to win in softball by hitting hard ground balls. If I'm going to win some games, if I just get players who buy into that, now I'm probably not going to reach my potential, but I'm going to have some success um, with that. And so, you know, at the high school level, it's about helping kids who are trying to just grow into young women, like young adults. They're going through all of that chaos in their lives of just being a teenage girl in high school. And they love, they're probably athletic and they like this sport. So this is a place where I can go. And if that person who's trying to work with me is holding me accountable, um, cares about me, um, yeah, gives me some tough love, but really is like knows knows me and my input, I'm going to do everything I can for that person. And um, I think that in, in the end is what I was able to do. I had good talent. I mean, I, I didn't take a bad softball player and make them great. I, I was fortunate to have some really good athletes come through there. They bought into what I was asking them to do and they saw the results and then they kind of took it on for themselves and worked at it on their own. And, you know, I'm actually going to play some of those kids this year. It's crazy. Like off that last team I had that went undefeated and was ranked number one in the last NFCA poll that three of them, I think three are up at EKU and we're going to play them here at Duke this year. So, you know, and I've got another one that I coach. It's at Marshall in high school. And so, you know, that's the cool stuff. They're now going to go off and we get to see each other and, and play and, um, I think if you want to get into any sport and have success, the easiest thing to do, care about the kids. Mm-hmm. Just care about them. And then your job is to not just care about them. You have to get better. Like I'm a better coach right now than I was when I coached those kids. I'm a better coach now. And I know more than I did at the end of last year. Uh, hopefully I feel like I know more than I did two months ago. And I better know more a year from now than I know now or, uh, I haven't done my kids and my program uh, the, right. So uh, just going off of that, what uh, what are you digging into right now? Like, are, is there anything you're – any rabbit holes you're going down or anything you're trying to, to find out? Yeah. So I, I, I've i got to do better with the vision piece. Like I, I got to be – I, I want to learn more about how to incorporate – we have Max BP. We've got those things. But I want to learn how, the eyes – you know, how they work a little bit more. I know there's, I, I got to get with, you know, I slow the game down. I think it's a great, I think what they do is great. I, I, I've just got to figure out ways to make sure that I'm always incorporating that part into what we're doing. Um, Cause I think kids don't know where to look for the ball in softball. It's a weird thing. Like you'll hear these phrases, like the pitcher releases at their hip. And, and one thing I will tell you is the female athlete is very literal. If, if you tell them something, they are very literally going to do what you ask them to do. And so if they hear pitchers release at their hip, pitchers don't really release at their hip. The hand is not up by the hip when they release. The hand, the wrist is kind of snapping when the arm goes by the hip. Um, and so I ask my hitters, where do you look for the ball? And they're saying, I'm looking at the pitcher's hip. So their actual vision point is usually about a foot too high from where the ball is being released. Most pitchers release the ball about six inches above their knee. And so that, when you're talking about 37 feet of ball distance travel 
and you're now having to lose maybe two feet to recover to pick it up at 67 miles an hour, you know, that's huge. That's drastic. And so making sure I'm doing that piece, um, we've, I've really tried to focus this spring coming back into breathing, um, getting them to breathe. We've tried to make sure at the beginning of um, our individuals and our hitting workouts that I'm giving them 10 minutes. I kind of give them a prompt. This is what I want you to think about. This is what I want you to envision. 10 minutes and in 10 minutes we'll get to work on whatever it is, um, but start visualizing it and seeing it and breathing. Um, you know, I can, I think everybody can always get better at that. So, you know, I think those little pieces and I'm always looking for just different, different takes. You know, I think a lot of times the, the hitting Twitter gets crazy. Um, it's my way's right. Your way's right. Like it's always like fighting and, I can disagree with somebody. I can disagree with their view, but I can also learn something from them. And so I think I can, I, I think if we all just tried to like, just, just listen and then say, yeah, I don't, I, thanks for your, thanks for sharing your opinion. Um, and then walk away and then maybe say, yeah, hey, it's just not for me, or maybe take one piece. I think it would all, everyone would benefit from that as opposed to, it's, it's not this way. It's this way. It's not. The, and so, um, you know, I'm just watching, I watch people that I don't necessarily agree with their whole foundation, but I'm always looking for different ideas of how to approach them. Yeah. And that's, I think that's just good coaching in general. Cause the more tools you have in your, in your tool bag, the more players you potentially help versus just doing one thing and teaching it the same way. Like you're going to help some players, but there's some that may not resonate with that now when you got to duke what was the i what caught you off did anything catch you off guard or anything were you surprised by you know coaching college softball versus high school or like take me through the experience of your first year at duke yeah so i think for me my biggest concern going in was um how long is it going to take me to get buy-in you know because i can know as much as i want but if they don't believe in what i'm and they don't believe that I'm helping them. Um, it doesn't matter. And so um, I was honestly the most surprised by <clears throat> the fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, our players just said, coach, um, you tell us what you want us to do and we're going to do it. And I, and I think the thing that was in place was there weren't clear lines of demarcation of what maybe the different coaches were working. And so they were all trying to be invested. And I think it was just run thin, like, you know, coach young, Marissa, I mean, and I can't imagine the effort and the nights. I mean, she's an amazing person and amount of work that she puts in and, you know, on a side, and I'm just fortunate to work with her and for her, but, you know, she was working with the offense and the pitchers and the defense trying to do all of that. And so, you know, if, if it just spreads her thin. And so the players just said, we just want something, some system that we can believe in. And, you know, they hear, obviously, like, I've been fortunate that my teams have hit a lot of home runs, but we've never said we're going to hit home runs. That's not been our goal. Our goal, honestly, is to lead the country in the conference in extra base hits. If we win the extra base hits battle, we're going to win a very high percentage of our ball games. And so, but I do say, get the ball in the air. 
uh, you know, line drive over the shortstop's heads in the air. Line drives are in the air. And so, you know, when I had that first meeting with them, I had to say, look, this is what I mean by get the ball in the air. I'm not trying to create something else. This is what I mean by that. And my job is to not overhaul your swings. Um, I, I honestly just wanted them to know, like, I'm going to take whatever you do well right now, and I'm going to try to just add some pieces to it. And so that, I think, got them to, like, kind of exhale a little bit. Um, that kind of, they were worried. Like, they've told me in retrospect, like, we didn't know what you were getting ready to say. And, and you know, we, if we walk out into a lineup, we're not going to be the team that you look at and go, my gosh, look at the physical specimens on that team. We're a very fit team, but we're not like the tallest. We played Texas last year and, you know, that's a different level of, of type of play. Like, like those are grown women that we played last year and they're great. Um, And so, you know, we have some kids who can hit it a really long ways, but they're five foot four, five foot five. And so, um, I think in their mind, they're like, can, or if you tell us we're going to hit it in the air, like, can we physically do that? And so that kind of calmed them down. And then the biggest thing that I learned um, was to just let them be a little bit at times. And so I gradually talked less and less and less. Um, I think last fall, what I learned the most was how important the fall is for making changes. Um, the thing I didn't know until I went through it was how in the spring, you're not changing anything. Like I always used to a car, like you might change the oil and rotate the tires, but you're not putting a new engine in and you better not even be changing the tires. (laughs) You just need to rotate them Um, because you're just playing. Like we went two weeks where we had one practice. You're either traveling, you're on the way back, you're playing games. Um, And so you're tweaking in the spring And so what you want to get in for that year, you have to be very focused on it and be very deliberate about these are the things I want to focus. And I tried to, they were, we have smart kids. Um, They wanted to know the whys, which made it better. Um, Whereas last fall, we were trying to throw kind of all of this stuff with balance. And this fall, we worked so much on just balance and timing and not a whole lot of barrel work um, specific because I had a couple kids individually I need to work on, but just get into a good place and how can you get there to fire? And so, you know, I think, uh, the other thing I learned in that first year is you get a, you get the comment a lot like, um, Oh, you just have, you just get to coach softball for a living. And my response to that is anybody who's never coached at any collegiate level, has no idea how little you're actually coaching softball and how much you're doing everything else <laughs> but coaching softball. <laughs> um, you know, there I've sent a tweet out last year earlier. It's like, this is what hazing is for a, a new college softball coach. Like I was, we had to go to the pumpkin patch for um, an event and I was literally scrubbing down pumpkins in our team room for an event <laughs> with recruits and players. And I'm like, this is, this is college coaching right here. I'm scrubbing pumpkins down. <laughs> And so it's, you know, it's, it's all of, it's so much more than the coaching of the softball. Um, but the other thing I love, I, I learned is like, 
I love it. It, it made me, I always, I always thought I could coach at this level. I believed that. I think you have to believe you can do something and then go and then put it into place and see. Um, but you never knew. I never didn't know. I didn't know how much I might have to change. And I have definitely changed some things, but I think working here has, has sort of reaffirmed to me. Like I love coaching um, at this level. I love being around um, softball players and, and confident and strong and, and, you know, an independent young women who are looking to get better um, and um, challenge me. Like, I think it's fun. Like I, I ask them to challenge me. Um, it's not just my way or no way. And so, you know, I think those are the biggest things. Um, I think, you know, small things, you learn the behind the scenes of collegiate athletics. There's so much more that people out there have no idea about. And you, you see, and now on our end, you know, you see the press releases of things going out and how people in public respond, having no real clue about what actually is happening and why's and how's. And so it's given me a better, you know, respect for how, how the whole system works and the rights, things I agree and disagree with. But, um, you know, it was a great first year. Um, I would have really loved to have seen how it played out. We were all having such a, such a great year, but I'm even more excited about this spring. Um, you know, I think everybody looks back at last year and kind of, we kind of jumped on the scene a little bit. Um, we're excited. We, we just, about 30 minutes before we got on this, we saw that the NFCA poll came out preseason top 25 in the fourth year of the program. And so Marissa's done an absolute, I'm just fortunate. She's just done an unbelievable job of recruiting great players into here. Um, them buying into what she's sort of selling, uh, what we believe this program does in this university. And so, um, you know, it was a great first year and I'm just excited to be here. So when I, going back to just helping players during the season, and I'm sure a good part of that is just helping, you know, game planning, preparing yep. them for that pitcher. How did you go about that? Cause I, I'm only, I'm asking that because I think in softball, you have the advantage of, you know, it's underhand. So, you know, really you're not having to use tons and tons of pitchers. So, I mean, do you have someone who can maybe replicate what the type of pitcher you're going to see that particular day in practice? Yeah. So I think it's, um, so yes. And no. So like in ours, we use the machine a lot. Um, you know, we recreate the types of pitches, um, what we're going to see. There's a lot of scouting, you know, we play the, the 12th through the 14th of February is our opening weekend down at LSU. And so, you know, we've already started scouting. We've already started looking at tendencies, um, same stuff with baseball, like where do pitchers throw, what are their best pits, what are their go-to things. So we can kind of give them a heads up. Uh, all change-ups aren't the same. Um, all curveballs aren't the same. So you're just trying to get them to kind of sort of be exposed to with our pitchers, some different types of, of pitches. Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, for us, we go live a lot. Um, Coach Young pitched. She pitched at Michigan. She was an All-American. So she gets out and she'll throw. Um, every person here can throw with decent velocity. So, like, I can't throw it in the 60s, but I can go at 30 feet and and throw it 42, you know, underhand with a tad bit of movement. And so just getting them to adjust with timing um, is really big. Um, I, I think for us, you know, identifying pitches is key for us. And so one of the things, whether we're on the machine or whether we're doing live bull, we're doing uh, live takes, uh, sitting in on bullpens, I think the thing for us is look for tendencies of a pitcher. And so like we have film up of the teams we're going to face. So our hitters, 
and our players can go online right now and look at the pitchers they're going to face. Uh, they've got that video. They can pull up, you know, if they want to pull up an LSU pitcher, they can go right now and see what those kids do. Um, and so seeing how that kid's curveball breaks or drops or change-ups um, the, are the things we do. In the game, we're trying to see if there's things we haven't been able to see on film. We're starting to look for patterns. Um, is, the, is the pitcher throwing backwards? Um, is she throwing contrary to what her pattern is today? Like this is what she's done, but she must have seen something. Maybe they saw something on us that has them. So we have to adjust. It's that chess match within the game. Um, I think a lot of times in the game, it's a matter of providing confidence. Um, and one of the things that I think varies, you have to know your team is some players don't want you to say anything to them. And some players want you to and need you to. And I hear a lot of people talk about like when they're in the game, just let them go play. And I fundamentally do believe in like your training should prepare you for this environment. But I also understand that all players aren't mentally the same. And so for me in the dugout, like I talk to my kids and they need to know like, yeah, you struck out, but you had a good at bat. Like it wasn't a great at bat. You swung at three really good pitches and you missed and she's throwing some filthy stuff today. This is what we're going to adjust, make that small adjustment and you're good. You were able to take something away from that. Um, and sometimes my players will literally look at me in the at bat and like, was that good? And they just need that reassurance or some, some type of verbal confidence reminder. And so I'm trying to do that a lot in the game. Um, after the games, during the week, I'm really just trying to find the thing that I think I can give them a quick fix on. If they have, I told them this yesterday, everybody has holes. Your job right now is let's minimize the hole as much as possible. When you're going well, that hole feels almost like it doesn't exist. And when you're going bad, it feels like a like the Grand Canyon. It feels huge. It's never either. It's just mentally. And so seeing where those holes are starting to creep in and trying to just diminish them a little bit is how I approach the spring. And that varies. It's I, I, I think the key is you have to make it specific to the player. And I also think you have to know when a player is going well and don't say a word to them. Yeah. Even if you see the hole, it's like that kid, that kid can't hit down and in, but no, why is nobody seeing that? And why is nobody throwing that? I'm not going to go into the cage and start working down and in on that kid. That kid is grooving. She's not getting it. Let her go hit. And when all of a sudden somebody figures that out, then then we can kind of assess it um, at that point. So I think I think that's the biggest key is like people in the training world are trying to create a swing a lot of times. We're trying to create hitters who can go perform in the game. And those are two fundamentally different things. And I guess I would say the fall is about maybe being more like the trainer. And the spring is about like, I need this to perform. And if that means I throw some duct tape on it today and it still works, I'm going to throw some duct tape on it today. And I'm going to let her go two for three with a couple with a couple balls and she's not going to look great, but I don't care. Um, I guess that'd be my best analogy to it. That's, you know, that, I thought you did a great job with that, that segment. That's a tough question, no, no, no doubt about it. I want to switch gears a little bit, lastly, and talk a little bit about recruiting, which is yeah. always a hot topic, always something that 
people, you know, want to know what to do to get recruited. And obviously a school like Duke, I mean, who wouldn't want to play and get a college education there? One thing I have noticed in the softball travel travel world, which you're way more of an expert than I am, but you see in baseball, there's PBR, there's perfect game. There's all these different organizations. It doesn't seem as if there's anything quite like that in softball. Um, take me through maybe your, because you have a great experience. You can be seeing a high school, a travel coach and our college coach. It's um, right now. It's tough, honestly, because we don't have those things. Um, there's a bunch of us that have talked about it. Um, you know, right now everything's virtual and you're, you're streaming without any metrics. Um, you're trying to, you think a kid's throwing with some velo, but you don't really know because you're getting an angle. So it's tough. And, the, you know, um, you don't really get to see, there's only so much you can gather from a grainy video off a live stream. And, you know, even a clear video, you can't see numbers and, you know, I think it's, for me, I want metrics. I don't think, I wouldn't recruit a kid solely without seeing them. But metrics tell me a lot. Um, if a kid, if a kid's exit velocity, you know, all she can do is oh, 50. I'll throw a low one out there. There'll be somebody who'll say. That's like me hitting out there. <laughs> yeah. So there's somebody, you know, their exit velocity is 50. That, that kid's just not going to play for us. It just doesn't work. It doesn't scale up. And there are some numbers that scale um, up and some that are borderline. And it is a little bit of a sliding scale. Like, you know, if you can exit velocity this, but you really control that, you know, that angle off the bat, um, you know, and you consistently can wear gaps out, like maybe you got a shot here. Uh, maybe you're an elite defender and I'm willing to give some things up. But for me, I think that of all the things is where baseball is ahead of us. Um, you know, you can go and, and sit and watch a recruiting event in baseball and see exit velocity. You can see the kid on the gun. You can see what they're throwing. You can see it. And, you know, to me, we need something out there where you can put those pitchers out there on a Rapsodo maybe, and you can see their spin. You can spin their break. Uh, you can see the velocity. Uh, you can put them either in a cage or out there with, with hit tracks, and you can see what their exit velocity is, and you can see, you know, what's their angles, and you can see all of those things to kind of read it. And then when you put those together, and I can see that kid, you know, hitting an exit velocity of 73 on average with a pitcher throwing 63 to 66, okay, like that kid has something. I want to watch that. Um, but without that, it's, it's tough, um, which is why, you know, it's for me, it's putting my eyes on somebody and having camps are so important for us. For us, camps are huge. Um, camps are huge because we get all those numbers when they roll in here on them. Um, you know, so I think that's where our sport needs to, to grow. I think for whatever reason, um, the data side of softball is kind of like, it's you're either all it's like you're either if you say you like data, there's this perception that's all you care about. And I think understanding that you can value numbers and not be beholden to them. And understanding there are outliers. Some kids are just they just get jobs done. They just get it done. And 
no, I wouldn't tell anyone to swing like that. And there's nothing about her that I would tell you to replicate outside of the result. But that happens. But I can't recruit 20 of those kids. And so that's the outlier. And so understanding that piece of it is important to us. But there's seems to me to be a tad bit of a resistance of that. And it's like a lot of times you get a ton of data and people don't know which data they want to use. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. If you're just starting with it, just figure out what you do care about and then slowly add things in. Um, you know, we don't date it. Like we don't have in-game data. To me, that's the next piece for our game and data sharing. So like, I think that concept is really like taboo. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Like, but you know, if I'm in the ACC, I think, I believe I'm correct on this. ACC plays their, plays a Friday night conference game on Saturday. Everybody in the conference has everybody's numbers. They're sharing it. They have that system and it's sharing. Softball is not going to, softball doesn't do that. Mm. And, and so until we get to that point, I think it's what well, I don't want them to know our numbers. We're going to get the information. You're just working harder. Like we're all going to get it. Like it's just cutting down the amount of work you have. Cause now you know what you're going to face. It's like somebody say, well, I don't want them to know that she throws 70. Well, they're going to know that she throws 70 after two pitches. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not going to take, it's not going to take them long to know she's throwing 70. Um, so just go ahead and minimize that. And, you know, I think then that's when the sport grows. You start to get everybody gets better because we're all working more efficiently. We're not scrambling to find numbers. We're not scrambling to find video. Just share it. And whoever whoever goes out there and wins, wins. Um, right. And so, like, recruiting is tough right now. I'm hoping, you know, things kind of change. I understand the situation we're in. Um, I get it. Um, this summer will be really important. Uh, we were very fortunate that we were able to see a lot of the kids that, uh, you know, in some of these other classes that we've been able to talk to, we were able to see them in person, have them on campus, kind of knew them a little bit better. Um, but it's going to be interesting with this 2023 class about, you know, if they don't open it up this summer, it's going to be really interesting. So as of right now, the way the recruiting landscape is, you're just solely relying on, on trusted sources of who to go watch. Yeah. So there's a, there's a system out there that um, it's called. So there's a, there's a program out there that live streams, it's an app and they have these cameras. And so they have, every team has like their own code. And so they send us their code and they tell us their schedule. And so we can log in and we can watch those games live. So I can watch those games. It's just, um, it's like sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work. (laughs) Sometimes Mm. it's not playing. Um, and sometimes it's depending on where they hang the camera. So we're seeing video, but sometimes it's blurry. Sometimes it's, um, you know, it's too far away. Um, you know, we're face, we're watching Facebook live streams. We're watching YouTube, uh, we're watching things like that. We're watching video. Kids are sending us video. I think, you know, what should kids do? Send me video. Yeah. Like I get, I get tech the Twitter tagging is a big thing tagged on basically everything possible. This is my PSA to recruits. I don't care about your footwork on the ladders. I don't (laughs) care about your workout in the gym. I just need to see you hit throw and field against some, against some constraint environment. Like 
put some stress on you and then go perform and I can decide from there. That'd be my one suggestion. But video is great. Like emails that I get about kids who are really interested in Duke, but there's no video. I, I can't do anything with that. Um, now, do you want to see the video of them in a game? Yes, but I want to see video of them in a game. And I think this is, it's kind of hard. Like if you play on a team and you don't face high level pitching, I can sort of see how you move, but I then have to see if you are able to carry that over to our type of pitching. And I think right. that's the big, like that you might catch my eye, but if I see a kid week in, week out performing in live scenarios against the top pitchers in the country, then I know that kid can hit. Um, if I'm seeing a kid perform week in and week out against mediocre pitching, I got, I, I'm, I'm a little more hesitant, but at least I see she can move efficiently. Mm. I just don't know if it swings to our scale. And so that's the thing I'm trying to, to try to decipher between. And so it's, it's tough because, you know, these kids are trying to get places where they can see that too. And they're fighting, you know, the pandemic of, can I get there? And so it's crazy for everyone. And I understand, you know, for the recruits, it's tough. And I feel, I do, I feel for them and their situation. Um, you know, like for us here, test scores are huge. Like, you know, you have to have a certain minimum to get in here and all the tests have been canceled. Mm. And so it makes it tough. You know, it's like, what's your test score? I haven't taken it. Well, we really, really like you, but we don't know if we can get you in until you take that test. Yeah. And, and that's tough. And, you know, I think the one thing about recruits, that I would tell them in terms of test scores is uh, there's a difference between your advisors advising you in high school for going to college, just your typical college student and being an athlete in college. Um, athletes need to understand when you're a junior. So softball is a little different. We can't talk to any player until, um, until their junior year, November one of your junior year. Hmm. We, they, they can call us. We can't answer. Like there's no communication. Oh, wow. Nothing. Nothing. Um, we can't, there's, I mean, so nothing. And so right now, like if a kid in the 2023 class wants to call us up, we cannot answer the phone. We have nothing else. Now, if they come to your um, camp, can you talk? I mean, yes, then they, that's the only way we can't on in camps, you know, you can't recruit them in a camp. Oh, okay. So you have, it's all these, so it, and because like, I will say early recruiting became crazy in this sport. You had, you had some really, really, really young kids making decisions. And the problem for those kids now is like, some of those kids have been committed since they were like in eighth grade. And it's not until their junior year that they can talk to those coaches again. So, so what if those kids, what if that coach no longer, like things have changed? It's, yeah. it's just, it's tough. Um, and so for us, I think it's important for kids to understand if you're, if you have a goal of playing college softball, I would encourage everyone to take their ACT and SAT during their sophomore year, just to get a baseline score. Yeah. Uh, you know, because now what's happening is, you know, for us, those juniors, a lot of them don't take it till late in their junior year. Well, we'd like to offer before then sometimes, well, if we're waiting on your, on your test score, it just makes it tough. And what you don't want is a kid committing and then they don't get qualified. And it's, 
It's just the academic piece is the part that they're not getting proper advisement on. Mm. Um, they get all these people that can tell them how to hit better. All these people can tell them how to field and throw, how to get them stronger. But then when it comes down to the most important piece of, can you get into the school? <laughs> they don't know. Like they don't, they can't tell them, well, she doesn't work hard in the classroom. Well, she's got a 4.0. What do you mean she doesn't work hard in the classroom? Um, and so I think it's that, like all of that needs, needs to kind of work together in terms of that recruiting process. We can only do so much. We can let people know, but kids need to be taking those test scores early. They need to really be focused on the grades. Um, you know, cause for us, a lot of those recruits, they kind of, the pool gets thinned on their own, the grades, the, the test scores, they kind of thin it out for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, going you see a kid she's in eighth grade you're like man that kid's gonna be special then all of a sudden you know she's not qualified um and she's still special (laughs) yeah (laughs) not coming to us (laughs) yeah no that's great this has been a very informative episode and i mean i'm you know it's something that again i'm i'm very very curious about just the sport of softball i think it's growing like crazy i really do at the at the youth level and which is great to see i think it's just going to continue to get more and more popular as years go on and i think it is going to eventually catch up to baseball when it you know some of the things we were talking about with the data and technology and things like that but we i really appreciate you coming on today josh i know you know you're i'm sure crazy busy with like you mentioned you don't even get to you know coach half the time you gotta do all these other things too so we appreciate it and and uh again man just wish you nothing but the best this year uh, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. If you're ever in our area, uh, let me know. Come on in. We'll get you get you a tour and hook you up. Absolutely. With some devil gear I've and, never been to Duke, so I'd, I'd, I'll take you up on that. Yeah, come on out, man. We'll show you all around. I appreciate you having me. It's awesome. Listen to the I listen to the podcast frequently. So love what you're doing, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks for listening to this episode with Josh Bloomer. Please make sure to go subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.